0: The Anton Savage show on News Talk RTÉ and uh, the scandal pertaining to it has raised a number of uh, issues about the broadcaster its role in the country and its capacity to fund itself because that wrestle between commerciality and its public service remit is being seen to some extent as contributory in where things went badly wrong. Mm-hmm. We're joined by David Putnam, who is a former member of the House of Lords. Uh, He was deputy chairman of Channel 4 TV and he recently chaired an inquiry into the future of public service broadcasting in the UK. And that's going to be a significant challenge for the incoming director general, that capacity to deliver on that public service mandate. Kevin Backhurst, who is the the new DG, he had a meeting with the media minister, Catherine Martin, during the week um, that started effectively his uh, role now, I think he's not officially in um, under the desk until, rather, his feet aren't under the desk until Monday, but he is, in essence, getting his hands around it at this stage. And he described the meeting as one that was very positive.
1: Uh, Frank, um, very useful meeting as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, I, I told the minister, set out a little bit about my plans, which I'll be announcing on Monday in more detail. Um, you know, I just want to say to... Audiences of our team, my job is to restore trust. Clearly, that's been severely damaged, and again, I apologise for that. But that's my job. You know, is to restore trust in this organisation, um, and that's what I will try and do. And I'll be setting out a lot more detail on Monday about how we intend to do that. And uh, Mr. Backhurst, you yeah. said we don't understand you're going to reconstitute the executive board. Yeah. What does that mean? I'll be explaining that on Monday. Um, there are individuals involved in this, so you'll appreciate it. I need to talk to them before we do that.
0: A lot of expectations on Kevin Backhurst there for Monday. David Putnam, as I said, is with us. David, you did a review of public service broadcasting in the UK and what was needed to foster it into the future. Obviously, huge overlaps between the UK approach and the Irish approach. What, if any, lessons from your review could be learned by Kevin Backhurst?
1: I think, in a way, and when you put your finger on it, right at the beginning, which is this—the the mixed funding method that was that evolved as being the way of funding uh, uh, RTE—in the end, they're they're incompatible. You, it's very difficult to mix commercial funding and public service funding because you're serving two audiences, and I hope you don't. Mind me saying this. The role of, of public service broadcasting, RT in particular, is to address the citizens of this country. And the citizens of this country have got to understand that it's no fear or favor. This is what they're being told to the best of knowledge of, of RT. In the case of News Talk, for example, you are serving consumers. No one's got any illusions at all that the, 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 the commercials that interrupt this program or started this program are related to your, to your ability to do a great job. Now, we understand that, and that's, for me, that's the ecology of a good broadcasting system. It's the ability to embrace both. The tragedy of RTE was that successive governments didn't grip that and, and allowed a drift into a situation which was always going to be unsustainable. So this was an accident that was waiting to happen. And one of the things I'm afraid I felt reading the coverage the last two weeks now is there's a lot of score-settling and hypocrisy taking place. And there's a big, big question to be asked of every single member of the Doyle, which is how did you allow this to happen? Because what's the fallout is kind of inevitable.
0: Now, explain one bit of that, David. If if you are in a situation where your ultimate um, responsibility is to consumer or to listener, surely the fact that you have the same broadcasting acts and the same broadcasting guidelines from BAI, now Commissioner Naman, applying, does that not mean that the same parameters apply and therefore the same standards apply?
1: Not really. I mean, in, in theory, and I said that were the case. And when you used the word listener, both of you serve, you talk and, and, uh, and frankly, RTE serve listeners. But the difference here is that the pressures on RTE should only be about the accuracy of their news and, uh, and, the, and the depth of research they can go into it. And, you know, you know, as, as well as I do, a scoop tends to be a very expensive thing. It probably requires hours and hours of very diligent reporting to, to, uh, to establish that. On the other hand, with, within your own organization, people would be having conversations every day about how what the ratings are like. Uh, are the advertisers happy with the ratings? Are there shifts or changes you can make in the programming that will influence or affect the bottom line of the company? Those are two completely different disciplines. And once you start muddling them, you get the kind of problems that uh, we're now talking about.
0: Now, RTE has always tried to use its own internal structures to navigate those challenges. So even if you look, for instance, at Radio 1, you've always had classically two separate areas responsible for the output. So you've News and Current Affairs that gives us Morning Ireland and the News at 1, hence they are edited rather than produced. And then on the other side, you've Daytime, which produces the talk programmes. Are those kind of Chinese walls not sufficient where you say we hold each body or each section to a different standard and we keep them separate from each other?
1: I would argue, you put it again very beautifully, I would argue they're not sufficient and that's it's the cracks in those Chinese walls that really we're talking about this morning. I happen to know both Deep Forbes and Kevin Baker I like both of them a great deal. Both of them share a love of public service broadcasting. So what's gone wrong here is not because Dee Forbes or Kevin Flammer uh, have any pro- problems with the implementation of their vision of public service broadcasting. It's that the setup's wrong. When I say, I, w- I want to see this debate coming back at, at the Doyle. I want individual TDs to, to understand that basically it's their failure to fund a public service broadcasting, which is absolutely sustainable that's at the heart of this.
0: Now, can I ask you about that? Because there is an easy knee-jerk that can happen when you talk about public service broadcasting that people see it as being synonymous with important and boring. That it is a rockless report, that it is news output. But if you look in the history of Ireland the real significant public service broadcasting was able to be so because it was entertaining. So if you take Gay on The Late Late and some of what he did in relation to breaking down the bounds around homosexuality, breaking down the bounds around um, contraception, shattering the view of the Irish Catholic Church, all of those kind of things were doable because he commanded an audience that wanted to be entertained and had this hand in hand. How do you square that circle?
1: Uh, with Gay himself, I think uh, I, kn- I knew Gay. Uh, I adored Gay. Uh, if I think anyone, any advertiser, or or for that matter, you know, a, a commercial member of the of the P S P PSP board, who came to Gay and said, "Gay, okay, I'm afraid you're going to handle this story differently, or you're going to have to um, interview this person differently because the pressures on us uh, on advertising are too great," I would that would have been a very short conversation. I think with Gay. He absolutely understood where those Chinese walls were. So in a sense, I think Gay is the answer to the question you just asked, which is Gay understood where the Chinese walls were and his relationship with the public entirely depended on the degree to which the public trusted him.
0: But there is also surely that compulsion and that obligation on broadcasters to be interesting and be captivating. I mean, if you look at at, um, PBS in in the States, or, or rather NPR, NPR is worthy and well-meaning and well-evidenced and very skillful and very few people listen to it
1: and hopelessly underfunded. I mean, you, I'm afraid you can't you can't unpeel those two things. Uh, NPR in, in the United States is an endangered species. Uh, it will tell you that, and I know that to be true. I've lived a long, a lot in the United States. Now, I think there's. The, the the issues here, and you're absolutely right about entertainment and, 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 uh, and worthiness. Um, when RTE started, you remember, in those many, many, many years ago, what happened to RTE was it got sideswiped by the fact that the Dublin area could receive ITV. And the moment the Dublin area could receive ITV, uh, RTE had to completely up its game and rethink its game. It wasn't good enough just to dole out... Um, <laughs> Rather well, dull news and dull programs. Similarly to BBC. BBC really had to get its act together after ITV was created. Channel 4 was a terrific stimulant to ITV and BBC. So I think the use of the word ecology, which some people resent or don't like, the notion of an ecology of broadcasting is a very important one. And what's vital is that the listener, used, it, used it to, the listener or the viewer, understands what the pressures are on the organizations that they're tuning into.
0: So does that mean that the only way that you can deliver that is you strip advertising out of it totally, and you just get the money to you get the government to provide a stipend on a yearly basis?
1: Uh, In terms of RTE, absolutely, you've got to uh, drive a wedge between the pressures of advertising and the pressures of of uh, of accuracy and 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 transparency. Can I just read you one tiny? You know, I did, did two big reports on this totaling, I think, eighty five thousand words. And I'm certainly not expecting any of your listeners to wade through them. So I want to read one thing from a forward. The successful democracies of the twenty first century are likely to be those in which the provision of news and information is rapid, accurate and trusted. Rapidity is now a given, accuracy remains a challenge, but trust is proving increasingly elusive. And trust lies at the heart of a sustainable democracy. And I don't think people tend, it's not your fault, I don't think uh, your listeners tend to understand the very fragile relationship that exists between the information they receive and sustaining the kind of democracy that we in Ireland want to share.
0: Oh, well, I mean, we've seen the evidence of it in the US. I mean, once we got the Reagan-era deregulation of broadcast media in the US, it began the slippery slope to where we find ourselves now with the absolutely binary political system that they have. And it's—it's. It's, I think most people would find it very difficult to decouple those two from each other. But can we go back for a bit, David? Let's say you strip away that the um, advertising, you make it just a government stipend. There are two concerns that are often expressed about that. One is the effect that you have on the market, and we can come to that. But the other is the government control. Because if all of the funding comes direct from control, they hold the reins and they can yank them when suits.
1: Well, again, it's a very, very important issue. And indeed, governments find it quite h- hard to resist yanking wind suits. I remember the 1980s, where uh, Norman Tevett spent a lot of time threatening the BBC with what might happen to it if it didn't, in, in his terms as a, as a Tory minister, toe the line. We've just very recently been through the process where a vindictive um, Boris Johnson uh, attempted to privatise Channel 4. Thank God, that's that failed. Uh, and indeed, more recently, he's been installing his own people at the BBC. I think the relationship between public service broadcasting and, um, uh, and politicians is, is a difficult one. But it's, in a sense, that's where politicians are got to grow up, because the relationship in fairness between the law and politicians is a difficult one. Now, neither you nor I would want to, for a moment, come up with the idea that we should have a, semi, a semi-privatized legal system. Um, whereby you know judges could be uh, bought, god forbid bought off, so I, I see the the integrity of public service broadcasting as being in exactly the same frame as the integrity of the legal system in Ireland.
0: What then of market effects because let 's say that you do that where you create a, a system of ring fencing and a, a, a culture around the separation of the funding. If you have one major player, which is a a behemoth, a monolith compared to the others in the market, and they are funded to the extent that they can poach researchers, they can poach producers. When it comes to bidding for sporting events, they can outbid the uh, commercial competitors. How do you iron out all of those market effects?
1: With enormous difficulty, Anton. I'm not pretending otherwise. i worked, I'm so old. I worked for Harold Wilson years ago and and he came up with the concept of protected um, events, so, for example, the FA Cup final had to be a, a, available on public service broadcasting. Uh, I think the test matches at one point were now that all eventually collapsed but I think the the idea here here 's my thought if God forbid we suffer another version of the covid panic. where do you go for your news? Uh, I know that here in West Cork, my wife was literally glued to the news every day, and they were fantastic in telling us what the availability of this was or that was or where to go for our food and everything else. That's the test. And what I would say to your listeners is try a broadcasting ecology that doesn't have a public service component to it and see how much you like it. Because then you're going down the road that, that Hungary has chosen. You don't want to go there, and Ireland definitely doesn't. Want Although,
0: to go there. surely, by that comparison, because oddly, without wishing to be defensive on our behalf, I think about the kind of covers <laughs> that, that Luke Kelly would have provided on on Pat Kenny's program during that period, or that our own newsroom would have provided. But if you look across again to the states before the deregulation of the market, they were an entirely or almost entirely commercial news um, market. But CBS was the envy of the world. NBC, to an extent, was the envy of the world. They had the capacity to produce public service news broadcasting from entirely red and tooth and claw capitalist commercial organisations.
1: They did, but uh, you will have seen the wonderful film on the... Uh, 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 what was it? The film about the, the conflict in the end between the uh, between CBS news team and uh, the government. Oh, good and the, night and the, the the good, luck, Ed good luck. The Admiral story. Good night. Good luck. Thank you. that. That's one. Um, so I think, in a sense, there's a, that's a wonderful film, because that describes exactly where this separation occurred in, in the United States, because you're quite right. In the post-war period through to about the late 50s, uh, CBS was quite extraordinarily trusted uh, with Walter Cronkite and everything. No one doubted that Walter Cronkite told the truth. But equally, I would say, there was no, one, there was no commercial um, uh, sponsor whispering in Cronkite's ear asking them to push their product. So it is about trust. In the end, it really is about trust. We're a very grown-up country. I, mean, I think this is a fantastic country. It's the reason I, I ch- chose to live here and the reason I became a citizen. I only want what's best for it. And I know what's best for it. it has to be based on developing trusted sources of information. That's what we need. Now, as it happens, you represent a very good organization. I'm not blowing smoke, I promise you. You do. And I think that, in a sense, news talks, um, feet are held to the fire. By the very best of the of the RTE. If RTE wasn't there, I think the pressure on you, Anton, would be a lot greater.
0: Can I ask then, based on what you've seen over the last two weeks, because the kind of discussion that we're now having has been had in political circles for about a decade. The funding model of RTE yep. being broken has been well known. There's been discussions about a, a media charge for more than 10 years at this point. Is this going to act as a catalyst or is this going to act as a stake through the heart of the possible reframing of the funding model?
1: That's entirely in hands, I think, of the media to understand the way they handle this story as it develops and people like yourself and myself. Are we going to roll over and accept what comes out or are we going to are we going to hold the, the, the TD's feet to the fire in exactly the same way that the executive of uh, RTA's feet have been held to the fire? I didn't like the, I think I felt rather score-setting and, and hypocritical tone of the hearing so far because I think there's a big, much, much bigger issue out there, which is what sort of country do we want to be? What sort of information do we want to be received? Who do we want to receive it from? And how much do we trust them? That's the issue at the heart, the heart of this entire debate.
0: Given the, the fact that you are, uh, you've spoken um, so eloquently about the importance of, of factualness and accuracy and quality, I think I should correct myself from earlier on because I received a text to say that I enthusiastically suggested that Pat Kenny had received great coverage from Luke Kelly in relation to the COVID um, issue. <laughs> Luke Kelly was many things, but a professor of infectious diseases, he wasn't. I did, of course, <laughs> mean Luke O'Neill. David, thank you so much for your time this but he, morning.
1: But he, he, he sh- It's interesting. He certainly did become a tr- That he did. That he did.
0: David Putnam, former (laughs) Deputy Chairman of Channel 4 Television, and the man who chaired the inquiry onto the future or into the future of public service broadcasting in the UK. Thank you very much. The
1: Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.